man. Um, yeah, I'm going I'm to speak this morning from, from Psalm 1. Um, just even in that attitude of worship, I was meant, we're meant to announce we're going um, to have a worship night. Not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Um, venue to be confirmed, but we want to create a space. Particularly it was on Bernard's heart as he shared as we opened up this morning, as we were praying together the other morning. Just the importance of getting, getting in just before the Lord um, in worship. Um, so not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to have a night of that um, where we just do that. No agenda other than we get to enjoy and be in the presence of the Lord. So we'll let you know the venue, we'll let you know the time, place, all that sort of stuff as I come up. Um, and just to mention this morning before I preach, we lost, we, well, I say lost, um, our friend Martin, Martin Spencer went to be with the Lord this week. Um, those of you who know, who know Martin, um, he used to be around Bray years back and uh, just been, I don't know, just a beautiful man, the Lord, yeah? Just loved him. Um, he's a guy who loved me, like loved me really well. I experienced his love. He reflected that, that aspect of who Jesus, who Jesus is. Um, and uh, as I thought about him, as I, I dwelt on him, I was very grateful to have just been a part of Martin's life and grateful for him to have been a part of mine. And um, he died of a, of a heart attack. Um, he had some heart issues. And um, look, it feels like too early for him to go. You know what I mean? It feels like I would have loved to see him live another 20, 30 years. I don't know if getting married, like find someone who put up with him. And, uh, but... Uh, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a bad story, do you know what I mean? The guy who came to know the Lord, who every day, just like Sean, the love of Jesus, would go around and tell people about the Lord. Like you wear, see the Facebook picture that's up on, like, on Facebook of him, they see around, just like, Jesus loves you on his shirt. He just, like, he's a guy going to heaven, and there'll be more people in heaven because, because he was on earth. He's a guy who's left behind good stories, nothing but good memories um, of the guy, so... Um, we celebrate it, and I'll be on the shadow of a doubt that Martin is with his maker, you know what I mean, he's with, he's with the Lord, and so um, we don't mourn like those who are out hope, mourn, yeah, we celebrate, and we also reflect that it's a sad time, yeah, and recognize that for those who were his friends and who loved him, that uh, we, don't get to, uh, we don't get to see him again until we go to be in glory as well, but uh, that we will. Um, so we just even pray, we pray for Martin's family, and pray for those who are close, those who are feeling it, Lord, pray that you'd comfort the way that only you can, Lord. Um, pray that even, Lord, through his funeral arrangements this week and as we celebrate his life, that it would continue to be a witness to many of the hope that Martin found, the joy that he found in you, the joy that he carried, the joy that you could see in just the way he interacted, the childlike faith he had, and, and uh, just that he, that he manifested, that he brought to the world, Lord. And um, I pray that that would be contagious even in these coming days, Lord, and that you continue to use it to bring many more like him, Lord God to glory. Um, we celebrate his life. We thank you that we got to walk with him, that we got to know him, Lord God. Um, we got to be part of his journey and that he got to be part of ours, Lord. Thank you for the ways he showed us more of who you are and how we could be the same into his life, Lord. And um, these are the things that matter in life, Lord God. We just, we mark his passing, Lord God, with sadness, but also with joy and with hope. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach from Psalm 1. Um, it was our reading, the first, the first reading of this year, like um, we landed on a weekend, we read the Psalms at the weekend, New Year's Day was a Sunday, um, so Psalm 1 was the opening last Sunday, and uh, look, let me, let me read it out, and you'll have heard me probably speak on Psalm 1 before, because, or creep into other messages, because it's become like just this foundation stone in my life, it's this thing that constantly the Lord pulls me back to, just this scripture, um, didn't intentionally memorize it, but because I keep going back to it, it's just made its way in there, you know? And uh, it's a thing that arrests me when I kind of go off chasing other things or I find myself frustrated or burnt out or whatever. I really think it speaks about the meaning of, the meaning of life, 
I think it's intentionally placed there as well. And there's 150 psalms. We'll read them all this year over the weekends um, with the Bible Project. But this is the one that opens up the songbook, opens up the thing that God has given us. Like, here's how to, here's how to, I've said it before, right? The rest of the Bible speaks to us, but very often the psalms speak for us. They put, like, language on what we can't tend to put language on. Like good times and hard times, whatever. Um, and Psalm 1 has been that go-to, go-to for me, and I pray it will be for you as well. But let me, let me read it. It says this, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So it's only, only six verses long. It's just, it's just filled with this profound truth. Truth that's like been shaping, shaping my life um, uh, over the past couple of years. And this scripture that I just keep, I just keep going back to. And I think we need it, we need it particularly... In kind of this this time that we live in, this this like cultural moment, this space that we live in, you know, like we're the first generation to live in like uh, like a post-Catholic Ireland, yeah. Like the, the the foundations of society are shifting, yeah. It feels like we're in this this massive flux, like the ground is moving beneath your feet, and that can make you feel kind of off balance. Like you don't know a generation ago, there was like just these standard beliefs. This is what people believe. This is what this is what's happened. This is what society looks like. Whereas now, like it looks different. Like it looked different in 10 minutes, it seems, like than it looked 10 minutes ago, or this year than it looked last year. And so we can find ourselves kind of like just a bit, a bit like at dis-ease, do you know what I mean? A bit, a bit like feeling wobbly. Things are just, things are changing. Things are up for grabs, and there's so many voices shouting for that. And, and combine that, right, that kind of, we're in this, this post-Christian age, and it's still up for grabs what it's going to look like. Um, and combine that, we're also the first generation to live in this digital age, where speaking into that space are more voices than you, can, than you can put up with, yeah? More like, this is what you should believe, this is what you should think, this is the way you should live, this is what you should go after. Like, just constantly immersed in, in this stuff. And Psalm 1, for me, has stood out as like just this different way in the middle of all of that stuff when you're feeling off balance. There's just so many competing worldviews, causes, people telling you what you should do, or even if they're not telling you what you should do, we're just immersed in like a digital world where, like what they even call those people who are like, like big on Instagram, Facebook, and they call them influencers, yeah? Like just people who are just influencing you through what they post, the pictures of themselves, or the, whatever, the videos they post, or the things they say, and we're just constantly being, being influenced, and I'm convinced that we just, we just kind of feel all, all over the place, and Society is going a bit mad, yeah. We're getting this, this increased polarization. There doesn't seem to be balance and stuff. It's like people on the right are just leaning further into the right and become enemies with people who are on the left. They're leaning further into the, further into the left. It's just like this divided society going on. Um, and it's exhausting. I find it exhausting anyway. Look, just this, this constant barrage of, this is what life's about, Rob. Go after that. Do you know what I mean? Make money, whatever. Or get friends, you know. Or just detach from it all. Or... Like, there's as many different voices that will just convince you of as many different ways that you're going to find happiness or you're going to find fulfillment. And it's so exhausting, you can feel at times just like giving up on it all. Do you know what I mean? Just like, oh, I don't know. It's just like overwhelming. Like, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and you probably, we probably would give up on trying to figure it out, except 
Except these kind of these kind of movements or this kind of this kind of voices, they latch on to something that's deep inside us, and so we can't give up on those things because deep inside us we're hardwired to need to find meaning. Yeah, we're like we just we. You just can't give up on it. And so we find ourselves sucked into these things that offer meaning. You'll find it in this, you'll find it in that, you'll find it in this book, you'll find it in this thing that I'll sell you, you'll find it in community, you'll find it in the gym, you'll find it in prosperity, you'll find it in a bigger bank balance, you'll find it in the promotion, you'll find it in whatever it is. You know, it's like we're always searching, searching for the next thing. Because we want it to we want it to matter that we've lived. We're created as eternal beings, created in the image of God, I believe. And so there's this deep-seated longing for, for life to have mattered. And there's also this deep-seated longing we have to experience joy, yeah? to, like, to, have, to have happiness. Like, and, and so these things offer us happiness. You're going to find happiness in the promotion. You're going to find happiness in this thing that you can buy, or this hobby that you can start, or this relationship that you can find. And just, It feels like we're constantly just dissatisfied. And the ideal world would have us do something with our lives, right, that brings us incredible joy and also makes a difference in the world. And the world comes in and it seems to offer that in all sorts of, all sorts of directions, yeah? But if you've been around the block a few times and tried a few of them, you find that it's all, it's all just left wanting, yeah? It doesn't, do, it doesn't do what it says on the tin. It's all just a bit satisfying, yeah? The thing didn't work. The promotion didn't get you what you thought the promotion would get you. The relationship didn't get you what you thought the relationship would get you. The, the job didn't. The house didn't. The car didn't. The... Whatever it is, you know what I mean? The, the, the hobby didn't satisfy your soul in the way that you did. The achievement, the, the knowledge, you know what I mean? It's another one we just chase after. We can only understand stuff. And the more you understand, the more you realize you know nothing, yeah? And you're like, it's just a constant, but you just chase it more. Maybe I need to understand more. And it's all just a bit hollow. And I think that's the, the modern condition, this state of dissatisfaction. Always searching for the thing that will really bring us what we're looking for, but it never quite arriving. Yeah, never quite, never quite getting there. And we just get sucked into different cycles of it. Try something else, try something else. Just keep, like, just pulling us in all sorts of directions. And then, right, in the middle of all that, there's this, there's this 3,000-year-old poem, Psalm 1, that speaks to a different way. Um, speaks to a different, a different way of going about life. A different philosophy on what life actually means and what matters and how we find satisfaction for our souls. Let me read it out again, right? Blessed is the man, see this first verse, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the, the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. Let's take those, those three things and just say like, blessed is the man who doesn't just go after everything that the world offers. Doesn't just listen to all those voices that says, here's where you're going to find fulfillment. Here's where you're going to find meaning. Here's the right thing to believe. Here's the wrong, th- the wrong thing to believe. Here's the side to be on. Here's the cause to be aligned with. Blessed is the man who doesn't just listen to that, who isn't just participating in what the world has to offer, right? But verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here's the promise, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. What promises, man? A tree planted by streams of water it yields its fruit in season. His leaf doesn't wither. All that he does prospers. And it goes on and says, the wicked aren't like that. So all the stuff, all the people who are shouting, this is what they believe, this is what they go after, this is what matters, says they're like chaff. You know, like the stuff left behind, like it's blown away. It's gone. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But there's a different way for us. We can be the people who are like those trees planted by streams of water. 
And I mean, isn't that just beautiful? Just even, I find even just reading that reorients my life. It's like, Rob, what are you falling for? What have you, it just like reassesses my life. What are you believing? What are you going after? What are you pursuing? What's the priority of your life? It's just, just one line summary of this, this, this psalm would say. It says, delight in the word of God and you prosper. And your delight in the word of God and you prosper. It opens up with the word blessed, meaning that it's like a blessing. It's something that God gives us which is contrary to the way the world works. Yeah, the world says, earn, earn your stuff. Go and earn it. Self-discipline, hard work, like sweat of your own brow, make it, make it happen, yeah? And we take that as a good thing, you know, sweat of our own brow, we're going to make it happen. Forgetting that, by the sweat of your brow, you should work the earth as part of the curse <laughs> that, that Jesus gave, yeah? like, that the Lord gave in Genesis. Like, this is, this is, this is part of the curse, we're, but we're not people of the curse, we're people of the promise, yeah? We're people who Jesus has, has overcome the world. Like, and so we, 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 we get to be the people who are, who are blessed, meaning it's, it's something that's received from God. God's involved in it. And those things that he blesses us with, verse 3, I don't know if it's too small maybe for you to read there, but like a tree, just dwell on them for a minute, right? What's he saying? Like a tree planted by streams of water. That speaks of like being, like if you're a tree, where do you want to be planted? You don't want to be up on a mountainside like where, like, where the wind can knock you over. You don't want to be in a desert where there's no water. It's like a tree planted by streams of water. It speaks of like, like, like roots going deep. Do you know what I mean? It speaks of being like unshakable. You know what I mean? Something like you have everything that you need there. Like that there's, you've got this source of a tree lives on, on water and whatever, oxygen. Like so like you've got, this, you've got this source of everything that you need. That's what it's like for the person who delights in the Lord. You're, you're resourced with everything that you need. It speaks of being established, that you'll see a tree by the riverbank and it's there for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It has, it has what it needs to provide a deeply rooted, like established and, and firm and, and unshakable. It speaks of being satisfied, of being planted in the right place, of being where you need to be in life. In a world that we describe as like it can feel shaky and it can feel unsteady, a tree planted by the water is something that's like, that's firmly in place, yeah? It's where it needs to be. God is saying, you can be like that. You can be like a tree, drinking deep, rooted deep. It speaks also of like this idea of a tree planted by streams of waters. It's like pointing back, the language of it in this, in this poem points back to, to Genesis. It's pointing back to the Garden of Eden, you know. There were streams that watered the land. There the Lord planted a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and even the tree of eternal life, yeah. The tree, like, speaking of where of those people who can participate in the tree of life, where of those people who can be connected back to what was meant to be for us in, in Eden, that unbroken relationship with God, drinking deep of him. I'm reminded of, reminded of Jesus when he's by the well and he asks the woman for a drink and uh, she gets him a drink and he's like, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink. Yeah, and I would have given you like water and never runs dry. Streams of living water, would, would you never thirst again. That's what it speaks of, of not being the people who are like always thirsty and hungry for something else. Tasting of this thing, going to taste what the world has to offer, doesn't satisfy. I'll go and taste something else. I'll try a new career direction. I'll try a new relationship. I'll try a new whatever. Never satisfied. Always looking for something else in the middle of it. It says you can be people who are deeply satisfied at the level of, the level of your soul. You can be people who have soul satisfaction. The next one, it yields, yields its fruit and season. Who doesn't want that to be their life? We say when we speak of we speak of meaning, that desire, we have we want to leave something behind. We want we want our lives to be to be fruitful. Your your Facebook feeds or your whatever feeds are probably inundated with like this January, let me teach you a 30-day course, how to be going this make make this the most productive year ever. Buy this journal, fill out this thing, go through whatever it is. Maybe that's just the algorithm aimed at me, because that's my kind of stuff, right? But uh, it's like like go after go after this stuff, be be productive. 
But it doesn't say that you'll be productive. It says you'll be fruitful. There's a difference between productivity and fruitfulness. Productivity is like, how do you get that? Get up early, work hard, do the right things. How do you become fruitful? You have to be connected to the vine. Yeah? I'm the vine, you're the branches. So Jesus says, John 13. Unless you're in me, you can't do anything. But if you're in me, you'll bear much fruit. Imagine if that was true, guys, right? Just, just that, that promise that you'll yield your fruit in season. Like, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think I'm just a typical person. We live in this, like, you just you want your life to be fruitful. You want, it to have, you want it to have mattered. You want it to have done something, yeah? I think we're hardwired with that. And so we strive after it. We go after it in whatever different ways, like the ways I've mentioned. But what if this promise is true? What if, like, the one who delights in the law, the Lord day and night, can be assured that they'll yield their fruit season the tree isn't stressing about yielding fruit if it's in the right conditions it yields the fruit when it's meant to when it's meant to yield the fruit what if we could be freed from trying like striving to make our own fruit but instead be assured that we'll produce the fruit that our lives are meant to produce when we're in the place where we're meant to to be that that fruit is up to to god would that not be the most freeing thing in the world that you don't have to get up and strive you know to get up and like you know what i mean like make today like work hard, like just all that stuff that robs us and that causes us to be pulled in and listen to the listen to what the world has to offer because it's latching onto that desire we have yeah and you, you just you try and you try and take a hold of it the world's obsessed with being productive what if god wants you what if god just wants you to be fruitful fruits of the spirit that he'll produce in your life love joy peace patience self-control the way he'll make you the, the fruits of, like, of, of leading other people to Jesus, the fruits of getting to raise kids and grandkids and, and be influenced to family and friends and see them flourish in the Lord. We, have, we can live fruitful, fruitful lives that make a difference. The next one it says, or the last one it says, his leave does not wither and all he does he prospers. Like just pointing to, to eternal life. His leaf does not wither, meaning it's possible to live a life that's, that's eternal. Like even this week, as Martin passed away, you can be you can like find yourself thinking of man, life is life can be short, too short. When was I thinking I'm 40? Chances are I'm over halfway there, living on a prayer. Yeah? I'm like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, life is life is is short. But what if what if we're meant to be the people who live with the confidence that our leaves don't don't wither? What if it actually what if Jesus actually meant it when he says that like have eternal life <laughs> what if that eternal life has already started what if what if i could be assured that the things that i do in this life matter into into even eternity that there's things i could do in the lord things that god would undo through me that would matter not just now and then i'll be forgotten whenever a generation goes that don't but that there's life this is huge stuff that like connects to the the deep kind of existential angst <laughs> that we can we can experience as as uh, just as humans living in this age, um, have an eternal life and a prosperous life. And that word prosperous, prosperity has been, I think has been like, it's been hijacked by like prosperity preachers, you know, like touch the screen kind of people, like God's going to make you a millionaire, God's going like, but he, but he offers us that our life would, would prosper. We'd be successful in the things that we do as we delight in his law and as we follow it, that there'd be, there'd be fruit, that it would be, Evident. Now, it's not promising you, and I'm very careful, it's not promising you, this isn't a, a beginning of January sermon, like, do this, and you'll become a millionaire, and you'll get a six-pack, and you'll get the girl, and like all this sort of stuff will happen, right? Uh, like, this, it's not like that kind of, 
you know, if you just believe hard enough, all this great stuff will happen. This year might be a year where you experience heartache. It might be a year where you experience loss. It'll certainly be a year where you experience opposition in some kind. But what about a deeper level? It's true that there's a God who'll plant you by streams of living water. That you'll know everything that you need even as you walk through that. A tree planted deep, yeah? doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. doesn't matter if storms come. doesn't matter if there's, if there's droughts even going on because it's planted by the streams of water. The external stuff doesn't matter because you're, you're connected. You're deep-rooted. That you don't be worried about your leaves withering. You don't be worried about what fruit you're going to bear. But instead, what do we get to be? We get to be the people who delight in the word of the Lord. The people who delight in God. Security, sustenance, satisfaction, fruitfulness, eternal life, significance. These are all things that God is offering us. And he offers us through delighting in him. And that's huge, right? That word even. But, it, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. We'd expect it to say, do you know what I mean? Like, um, blesses the man who takes seriously the commands of the Lord and is sure to obey them. Do you know what I mean? Or blesses the man who obeys the, who obeys the Lord. Because we see that, you know, that cause and effect thing. If I just do the right things, you know what I mean? Then my life will be... Be blessed, but this isn't the story of religion. This isn't the story in the word of, of, of people who do the right things and then get what they deserve. This is the story of grace. This is the story of somebody giving you what he deserved because he took your place on the cross. This is the story of the one who took what you deserved, who, who, who took the punishment for what you deserved and gives you what he deserves. See all of these things, these promises, like being like a stream, a tree planted by a stream, leaves never wither, all they do prosper. These are, these are the inheritance of Jesus yeah, these are the, what we were meant to be as human beings in an unfallen state. The second Adam who came and who reclaimed for us what was meant for us. And now he gives us, to the, he gives us those things by his grace. That's why it can be, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Not his serious attention or his, his hard work or his self-discipline, but his delight. That's a huge, that's a huge word. That we can delight in God's word. It's what Jesus can only do by grace. The same grace that gives us relationship with the Father. The same grace that he gives us, fills us with the Holy Spirit. The same grace where then he says he'll write his law on our hearts. Yeah, The center of our affection. Yeah, Not just he'll write his law on our minds or write his law on tablets of stone. But that the law would be written on your hearts and the Holy Spirit would lead you into all truth and would dwell in your heart. Yeah, Like in the center of your affection, the center of your love. That you come to love what God loves that obeying god becomes to be like the the desire of your heart it becomes your delight it becomes your joy it doesn't become oh i'd really like to do this but instead i have to do this thing for god but we would find as we experientially step into the lord that his will I remember jay saying to me ages ago remember is that jay i don't know if you remember this but his will is good pleasing and perfect i just always associate that verse you're sharing with like man do you know rob that god's will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect how many of us like like we just need to know that we need to experience it not that it's like it's hard, it's an obligation, it's like a struggle. Do you know? Like it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. So it says in the, in the New Testament that we get to, to delight in them. And you see, like it's almost too good to be true, right? Because here's what the scripture is saying, right? That the way that we get to that deep realization, our deep need we have, to realize that deep need we have for significance, that all we have to do is allow God to satisfy that other deep need that we have for joy, and by experiencing that and delighting our relationship with him, he'll bring it about. Like, you get, like that stuff in verse 3, like most people that give the right arm to be assured of a life like that. But instead of God saying, here's what you have to give, he says, here's, here's the gift of it. And you find, your, you find this stuff happening as you delight in me. Like it's win-win, do you know what I mean? It's like grace on top of grace. Like there's no, there's no like cost to that. 
like comparably, I mean, there's a cost to following Jesus, yeah, but, but it's like he's the treasure in the field. We realize, like, you sell everything, we got to buy the field to get the treasure, yeah? It's like, it, there's nothing compared to it. He's like, if you find your delight in me, if you meditate on my law day and night, then this is the way that your life, your life will be. It's grace on top of grace. Grace is the entry point into experiencing more, more grace, like undeserved favor of God, that he would just want us to find joy and delight and pleasure in him and in his law, that then leads us into this, this fruitful life that he wants. And it's, uh, I mean, it's that simple, right? It's like, find your delight in the law of the Lord, and then this is, this is the shape that life takes. It's simple, right? But it's not easy. And that's why the, 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 the psalm is framed with these other bits, the bits at the beginning about the ways of the wicked, and it's, it's framed. It's once they starkly put it, like, guys, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make daily. You have a choice to make day and night. You know, it's like this pattern, this rhythm even established in it. And it's so easy to get sucked in. Because if it, was, if it was simple then, if it was easy, then every one of us, you'd be like, Rob, you're preaching to the choir. I already know that. I don't suffer any of that stuff. I never get distracted by the things of the world. I'm never tempted by them. I never move in them. I'm the, my delight is just in the law of the Lord day and night. And my tree, my, my tree is planted by a stream of water. That's what it looks like. But experientially, very, many, very few of us live in that, in a constant, in a constant state. And I'm convinced, particularly in this age, it's because of that, that shift in ground, because of that digital, because of all these competing voices that just want to, to pull you out of that stuff, that the, 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 the enemy is like in control of, of kind of the, the, the powers of this world, like just aligned against us realizing this stuff. And we need spaces like this. We need spaces day and night of being in the Word. We need, we need to be around one another, encouraging one another. We need to be opening the Word and reading it, allowing it to minister, to shape our lives, to say, I'm not going to walk in the ways of the wicked. I'm not going to sit in the council of the sinners. I'm not going to sit in the seat of scoffers. I'm going to find my delight in the Lord day and night. These, this, this first verse there is basically saying, don't get sucked into sin. It's a poem, right? If you can see it there, there's three... There's three actions, walking, standing, and sitting. There's three places, the council, the way, and the seat, three kinds of people, the wicked sinners and scoffers. And it's like this progression to a worse and worse state. He's trying to say, here's how it works. First of all, you're going along, you start listening to what the world has to say. And then the next step is you start to, to, to agree with it. You're moving along, you're walking, and then you start to agree with it. You stand, you stop, you listen. And the third thing, you find yourself just sitting with them. You find yourself sitting with them. You find your identity in it. You find yourself sitting with them. Scoffers. Just this, this piece, this picture of the way sin works in our lives. We just get influenced. Something looks like it takes our attention. Before you know it, it tries to take your heart. Yeah? And you find you've latched onto it. And it builds us up just to, to knock us down. That's the progression. You'll recognize it in your own life. Yeah? You'll recognize it in whatever patterns of sin, whatever patterns that, that, that have operated against you. You'll, you'll see it if you look back. It's like just this, this progressive thing. And then we find our hearts far from from the Lord. And it may be in terms of obvious sin, like things that we, we label and we know are sinful, things we find ourselves doing we don't want to do. Or it might be in pursuing the things that, that ultimately take the place that God should occupy in our lives. And I think we need to learn to call those things sin as well. Yeah? That, that your work can be a sin. <laughs> that obsession with family can be a sin. Obsession with money can be a sin. That going after those things when they take the place of who God is they can become sins. I just have this stark comparison that says to us, like, just someone, what way, what way are you choosing? That's it, yeah? Day and night, what, where, are you, where are you finding your delight? What's your life going to amount to? What's shaping you? I think it's just worth considering, just for a moment, like, what, 
what does shape you, particularly in this age, right? Particularly in the world we live in, even by the metric, by the measure of like where our time is spent. What, what are we allowing to shape us? Where, what, what places are we putting ourselves where our distraction can be taken and we find ourselves standing and stopping and ultimately we find ourselves sitting and living and, and dwelling? Do we meditate on the law of the Lord day and night? That's where the blessing is, yeah? Do we do, we do that? Do we dwell on his goodness? Do we dwell on his commands, on his will, his promises, his majesty, his grace, his love? He's like, he's inexhaustible, guys. The Lord, like, do we put ourselves in that space of actually experiencing the Lord? Or do we just go after the ways of the, ways of the world? And I just call you this, this year to just, just intent, yeah? Just being intentional. What, what does my life look like? That's, that's what it's calling. It's like, blessed is the man, day and night, meditates on the law of the Lord. Like, it's about being intentional with the rhythms of your life, intentional about what you sp- spend your time doing. Like I say, we, we, we're immersed, right? For the first generation ever, immersed in this digital culture, and I don't know that we fully know how to manage it yet. I don't know if we ever will, right? But we don't, I don't think we've come up with the skills of how to utilize that as a good thing without being sucked into it as like a bad thing or a thing that's like detrimental to our lives. Um, I read the latest Comreg report. I think the latest one was from 2019 that I could find. And I said like, just even by the metric, right, of time spent, right? said the average Irish person spends four and a half hours on their smartphone every day. Four and a half hours a day. I was going to, uh, I opened up my screen time thing, right, to try and, uh, to, like I was going to confess how long I spend on my phone, right? It was probably more than four and a half hours. And I tried to find, you know, the iPhone has this screen time yoke that measures it all. And I went in to try and see it. And I was going to be honest before you. And it, uh, and, uh, but it was switched off. And um, it switched on, I think, by default. I remember being switched on. And then as I thought back on it, here's what happened, right? I remember looking at it and being like depressed at how much time I was spending on it. So I switched it off. <laughs> Didn't do anything about it. Just switched it off. Just buried my head in the sand, right? And hit something else on my phone. But that's how like just compulsive this stuff is, right? Just made it worse. Like, like so, but four and a half hours. I do the maths, right? That's 68 and a half 24-hour days every year. Yeah? If it was like, it's a part-time job, four and a half hours a day. Yeah? 205 eight-hour working days. If you were to spend it, like split it into eight hour days, just spent doing, doing that. Um, and, yeah, and not to be condemning, right? Like, but to hold up that, right? Four and a half hours. Oh, Rob, I can't do the Bible project. I don't have time, man. You know what I mean? 20 minutes take to read the scripture. You know? And that stuff isn't, isn't neutral. When we're doing this, we just think it's entertainment or whatever, but you're being shaped. Yeah? You're being influenced. Like, and the fruit of it, we know. We just, we just even know the fruit of it. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's ever put their head on their pillow at night and thought, man, that was a good day. I am glad I spent three hours looking at Instagram reels today. Like, life is, life is for living. Do you know what I mean? Like, you look at it and you see, I don't know, you see what other people have. You, like, you see the highlights of their life. Like, jealousy, resentment, like, striving. I want to have that stuff. I want to go after that stuff. You see what other people are doing. Or maybe if I try that in life, you look at, it's just, it's just not very good. Do you know what I mean? And before and a half hours, the average person as well spends three hours watching TV a day. Now, there's, I don't think that adds up to seven and a half hours because I think most of us are spending the time on our phone while also watching the TV, yeah? It's like, what are, just what are we doing, yeah? And I mean, I, mean, I speak me, yeah, don't hear Rob is like trying to condemn us. What are we, what are we at? What does that, what, 
what hope has that got of producing in your life? Like, what's the best thing it could produce? There's, it's very hard to point out anything good, yeah, or think of anything that, that it's worthwhile pursuing that, yeah? Here's a life well spent, Rob. Spend four and a half hours and try and work up to it every day. You know what I mean? On your phone, like, scrolling or doing whatever. And it's not like we're even being productive in that time, yeah? The average time is, like, 20 minutes people spend on phone calls. Like, the rest, and that might be work or whatever, the rest is just scrolling stuff. Just to highlight, we spend all those hours being just bombarded by what the world says, yeah? Maybe even like me, sometimes I'm reading news articles, I read then like the comments on them. I just, you find yourself in despair, you find, you find yourself feeling against the ropes to what the world believes and even fear can come in, do you know what I mean? And like, like when we believe different than the way the world is going and it's like, I don't know, it's just not good for, <laughs> it's just not good for, our, good for our health. I think when our kids know how to use a smartphone or know how to use Google to find what they want but don't know how to seek the Lord, they know how to do it before, they know how to seek the Lord. Just as followers of Jesus, we just need to question what we're at. You know what I mean? Um, how are we raising our kids? When we talked about that being rooted, like one of the, the, the ways the Holy Spirit and my imagination went off, it's just on like, you know when you, like, you look up your roots, you know, the roots of your family, and God speaks in terms of generations. What way are we rooting our families? Do you know what I mean? What way, are they, what way are we raising them? What way are we raising our kids? Like, teaching them if we can, to pursue the Lord, to love them. What if our kids could be the people who we learn from? Like, what if our kids could be could delight in the Lord? Lord imagine, imagine a kid. My, my prayer for Penny is this: that she grows up so satisfied in the Lord that she doesn't have to look to fellas for satisfaction. She doesn't have to look to her peers. She doesn't have to. She's just full. You know what I mean? She's learned how to delight. She's learned how to delight in the Lord. That she's not chasing after whatever else the world chases after. She's not afraid of being wrong. She's not afraid of seeing as being wrong. She's not afraid to take a stand because she knows she knows who she is. That's not something I can tell her to do. That's only something she can get from the Lord. She can only get that from the Lord as she learns to delight. My job is to instruct her in that. My job is to, is to lead her in that, to raise her in that. Look, it might be social media, it might be something else. Maybe it's the gym, maybe it's work, maybe it's whatever, you know. But my challenge to you guys is just this, this year, right? It's that time of year, reassessing, looking at stuff, looking at what we're doing. Just, just prioritize spending. Don't let a day go by where you haven't found delight in the Lord. Just put it that way, eh? Don't, don't put your head in the pillow at night if you haven't found delight in the Lord. And after time, you'll realize it's what's worth doing as soon as I get up in the morning. It's what's worth doing on my lunch break. It's what's worth doing before we sit down for dinner. It's what's worth doing before I put my head on the pillow. It's just finding, finding who God is, yeah? Pursuing him. He hasn't called us to pursue him so that he can just like hide away and be like sickener. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like holding this out and then not wanting to fulfill it. It's what he desires. Day and night, our opportunity is to choose him, to delight in him, to worship him, to meditate on his word, to pray. Like, some of us, I don't know, in the absence of it, we're just going to be sucked into whatever, you know? In the absence of meditating on the word of the Lord, you're going to look at, oh, maybe I should get into mindfulness. Maybe I should get into whatever. It's like a Buddhist thing about emptying your, your mind. We're meant to be people who fill our minds with the things of God, yeah? Meditate on the Lord, not empty yourself to try and find enlightenment. Like, meditate and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, think on this stuff day and night. Gather together and share what he's doing. Share and celebrate and, and, and spur one another on. Be in scripture together. Just create new norms of life around each other. Where it's not weird to say, Bridget, let's get together and pray. Do you know what I mean? Where it's not weird to call over to someone's house for a bit of prayer. Or to call over to somebody's house with a guitar and play some worship songs. Or to put them on on YouTube. Like, it's not, it doesn't feel straight. Like, these are the things that bring us life. 
Why would we be ashamed of them? Why would we be like apprehensive about what other brothers and sisters are saying? Let's do the stuff that brings us to life. Let's ask the Lord for words for each other. Let's walk with, with one another. Let's encourage one another. Praying with our spouses. Like, why, why would we be embarrassed about that stuff? When it's, when it's what, actually brings, what actually brings life, I would just say be intentional about it this year. I don't know. If there's one message right I could preach, if there's one sermon I could preach, one thing, piece of advice I could give you, as to how you'll grow in the Lord. I would say this. Find your delight in the Lord. The hand night. Do what you have to do. To find it. Go after Because scripture. See scripture. Finding your delight in the word and the love. Scripture will shape you man. It'll challenge you. It'll change you. It'll encourage you. It'll lift your head. It'll bring a smile on your face. It'll cause you to fall on your face. It'll, 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 it'll <laughs> champion you. It'll make you realize who you are. It'll make you realize what you're missing out of. You're living short of it. It'll make you in awe of who Jesus is. Like the word of God is living and active. It's powerful. Yeah. Like spending time in it. There's just no substitute for it. So why we do the Bible project is not trying to be smart or trying to like add religion to something. We're like, what if as a group of people, we could be people who are even in the same scriptures at the same time. It becomes part of our language. It becomes how we encourage each other. It becomes how we lift one another up. In WhatsApp groups doing it. Like not about being religious or being whatever, but like doing the stuff that, that actually matters in life. I would say go after this stuff, yeah? Just go after the Lord each day. Find your, find your delight in Him. And be willing to reorient your life in whatever way it looks like for that to happen, Yeah? Be willing to sacrifice whatever it looks like for that to happen. To make it the priority. There's nothing more important. There's no New Year's goal more important. There's no, look, it's more important than your marriage because it'll make your marriage better. More important than your relationships because it'll enable you to relate in a real way from a satisfied soul without putting demands on people. It's more important than your job because it'll cause you to prosper in ways that your job can't cause you to prosper. It's more important than your kids because it'll make you a better parent as you go after the Lord. It's more important than your rest and your time off because it'll cause you to find rest for your soul that you can't find in any other place. It's more important than your time on your smartphone or your time on your TV because it just is. Yeah? Just, it just is. Like I said, he's the, he's the treasure. He's the treasure in the field that you sell everything to own. Let's be that people. I'm convinced that as you do, church, as you seek him day after day, as you go after him night after night, that he'll guide your paths, as the Lord guides the paths of the righteous. Um, and that he'll make you like a tree, you'll be planted by streams of water, you'll yield your fruit in season, your leaves will never wither, and that in all you do, you'll prosper. And the Lord will speak that over you. Amen. Amen.